Off the Circle. This is Ryan Grimes here with Doug Carr and Harry Howe here with some legal experts. Listen to indie-based entrepreneurs and business people. Learn from their experience and expertise and have some laughs along the way. Off the Circle, the Indianapolis business scene as you've never heard it before. Hey, this is Ryan Grimes here from IIT Indie, and we've got Doug Carr from DK New Media and Harry Howe from Howe Leadership. Today we've got Tim Oakes, a presiding judge at Marion Superior Court, James Bell with Paganelli Law Firm, and Heather Wilson from Frost Brown Todd. Thank you very much for joining us today. Thanks, Thanks for having me. Thanks for having Thanks. us. Thanks. We got to do this podcast as quickly as possible because you guys charge at like the ten minute mark, right? <laughs> right. So. Six minutes. Six, six, minutes. Six, six minutes. Six minutes. Six minutes. They do. I'm salary. <laughs> Tim can stay here all day. Yeah. <laughs> well, thanks for coming. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So uh, a colleague of mine, Seth Wilson, and uh, I recorded a video for the Indie Bar Association, kind of for smaller law firms on how technology is really changing with legal. Um, anyone here have uh, some insight into that? Uh, you want to talk a little bit about how that's changing your profession? Do you want to start? Uh, well, I'm a small firm practitioner, and it, what it has meant for us is that you can have a very small firm and be very profitable. The, uh, a lot of the things you used to have to hire an assistant to do, uh, you don't have to hire an assistant to do anymore. You could do with technology. Uh, we don't mail as much as we used to. Our, all our courts are on electronic filing, or almost all of them are. We were spending, you know, with four lawyers, I think, when I started at my firm, we were spending seven, $8,000 just on postage to get papers mm. filed in court. So, I mean, just simple things have really lowered the cost, lowered the overhead, which means you can make more money, uh, you know, billing lower rates and things of that nature. So, Yeah, technology is a big deal with, with bigger law firms as well. So we have 500 lawyers. We're in eight states, um, you know, and so it's critical. We have to be able to communicate not only uh, with our clients, but with each other. So... Uh, and when you get that big, it's really important to be able to see each other once in a while. So we have video phones. Um, you know, we have uh, most of our conference rooms are equipped to do conference calls, video conferencing, so that we feel like we're talking to one another, uh, just not just by email. Uh, so we've seen that. The other thing that I think is critical when technology, with technology is, is that uh, attracting new lawyers uh, to your to your firms because, the millennials expect it. Um, if you don't have it, then they're going to see that as a negative. So we've tried to, you know, um, purchase kind of the latest laptops so that we can be mobile. They want to work everywhere. They don't want to work necessarily in the office all mm -hmm. the time. And so being able to have the best technology for them to be able to do that um, is also very important. So. so talk to me briefly about the fact that if I go into any courthouse and you know there are rows and shelves of these handwritten records um, that go back for years and years and years, which is the foundation of much of what you do, how, do, how does that integrate with what you've just described? Tim, you wanna take that from the courthouse? Yeah, yeah. so uh, at, the, at the same time of of um, 
technology ad added to the law firms and e-file. E-file came along. In addition, you had um, new case management systems. So most of the courts in Indiana, so I'll just speak to Indiana, but I think this is sort of true in various phases across the country as I talk to judges and we explore some things with our new courthouse. Um, what we decided to do is, is, is not go back and scan every document. So some of those documents are now stored, or they're, they're, as they always were, old documents were stored. But as you need them, we've, I know the, the clerk uh, goes back and then they scan that file, and then once they scan the file, that document is destroyed. And so what, and then all new documents obviously are in a, on the e-file format, and so they're all in a digital format. So more and more of our documents are um, uh, in a digital format. What that means in terms of, you started your comments by this idea of walking into a courthouse and seeing a rows and rows of uh, file cabinets. I had, let me make a while, I think this number's not quite exactly right, let's, let's say hypothetically 30 file cabinets in a civil court, right? Spanning decades, uh, and some of it was, a lot of it was old records. But we would go back, let's say, always the case life of the case is two or three years. So two or three years took up majority of those file cabinets. We now have three file cabinets left, hmm. right? We've gotten rid of uh, well, that are full. We have a bunch of file cabinets. By the way, if anybody needs file cabinets, we're <laughs> the, city, the city county building is a place to go, or most law offices, because they're all being transferred to digital files, and so. That changes your design, right? Mm -hmm. That changes what it looks going to look like for your law office. We've started, you know, moving furniture and getting rid of some desks. Um, all those technological changes is changing how everybody's offices look physically, how you do business, what that means for you, who you're hiring, what that means in terms of how you're advertising, uh, and it and it's, and it's carried over to the courts. We're usually the last, right? But it's carried over to the courts. So those files are slowly going away. You will walk into a courthouse in uh, four years. I was going to say 20, but it'll actually be four years in our case in Marion County. And you will not, I would guess, uh, at least in the court part of it, see a file cabinet. Interesting. Yeah. And uh, you see paper less and less just in the courtrooms at yeah. all. And my understanding, civil judges are seeing lawyers less and less. Uh, they're not filed. They, they file electronically, and a lot of the rulings are on the pleadings without hearings. Is that? That's correct. Yeah. You don't, it, yeah. I, I know it's a downturn. Of just you know people coming in, you know, you used to, they were stopping the courts and you would see them and should they come back and chat maybe, but when they're filing something even for a friend, when I practiced law, so 20 years ago when I started my own law practice with some friends on the south side, you know, hey, where are you going today? Oh, I'm going to Hamlin County and hey, can you file this for me? Can you take this out there and file it for me? Here's the blah blah blah, right? Well, now it's all done electronically. You just push a button to send down, you know, it comes up on my computer and then I, uh, you know, or my staffs and my staff if I need to do something with it set up for hearing it sent to me or make a ruling it's sent to me. It's all done without a lot of movement and a lot of people, right? And so um, think about this for a minute, all right? So this, this, give you a great, this is a great illustration. I just described to you how it's done today, right? You put something on the computer, you hit a button, it goes downtown, somebody else pulls up their computer, they hit a button, it goes to me, I make a ruling, I hit a button, it goes back, it's done. In the past, James Bell and I were practicing law together, say, and James would bring a, a, a filing downtown. He would bring a piece of paper in. The staff, he'd either go to the clerk's office and start a new file, right, or he was bringing it to an existing file. If it was an existing file, my staff would go to the file cabinet, have to find it, pull out that document, right? They'd have to then stamp it with a, some kind of machine thing physically. It then got hole punched, and then it got put into the file. That's right. That went to the clerk. The clerk then took that physical file, and she entered something on the computer, you know, 
case management. It then went back to my staff in their rain basket. That file then got put by somebody back in the file cabinet, or it got put in my box, right? It got put in my box. I would then pick it up and carry it, and I would sign, look at it, maybe have to thumb through the file, maybe say I need the other file that's on this case because there's two files that's so thick. They get that. I, all that gets back to them. I made my ruling. It goes to my clerk. They would do some kind of stamp on it, or, and then they would give it to the clerk's office. They would stamp on it, and then it goes back to the file cabinet. We used to call that, in, as, as, as I was a kid carrying wood, as a, you're, you're touching the wood too much. You're not making any money, right? You're, you're, if you're handling the wood too much, you're not making any money. Well, that's right. the way it was with the court system. And, and, the and it was probably that way in 1880, except for yes. the computer. Right. 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 It takes us right. a long time right. to figure out and right. get up to speed. Uh, on the low end, I'm indie bar president. We sort of study the legal profession just to watch out for the bar association. And then Heather is a managing partner, Frost Brown Todd, in the Indianapolis office. So she could talk about sort of the the high-end clients, the businesses, the corporate clients, and how like artificial intelligence may be changing how we look at documents. But you know, on the low end, uh, you have a lot of people who make okay livings who really still can't afford a lawyer at $250, $200 an hour. Even if it's a 10-hour problem, uh, they might not have $2,500 lying around. So a lot of what technology has done with LegalZoom and Google and you know, people, a lot of pro se people, representing themselves, I think on, you know, I mean, I shouldn't say the low end. I mean, low end in terms of business, your business podcast. So sure. uh, the people that, you know, make good livings, but still can't quite afford a, a, the, the legal profession has not figured out how to, how to make a profit with serving people on the, that are, I would call modest means, not indigent, not poor, but modest means. So technology's helped them a little bit and it sort of encroached upon uh, you know, the, the legal profession, you know, a lot of people that like to guard their turf are a little worried about that and defining what the practice of law is and who can actually do it. Uh, I would say on the high end, maybe it hasn't happened yet, but I assume 10 years ago you'd have a paralegal looking at all the documents if you had big litigation and you had a truck full of documents. They'd be looking, looking for things and then giving it to a lawyer. Sure. Now a machine can find the keywords. Sure. And then soon I understand there'll be maybe do writing your briefs for it. I don't know if y'all have looked into that or not. Well, I don't think that we have, but yeah. um, that's one committee I'm not on, so thank goodness. <laughs> um, but sure, I mean, technology, you know, with electronic discovery, a lot of our cases are, you know, there's just a lot of documents, right? So um, we don't print those out anymore, typically, and, and read through them. We have programs that you know we can do searches very very sophisticated searches not only to produce to the other side but to you know just to, to know what's in the document itself so that saves a tremendous amount of time and i will tell you um you know a lot of people say some negative things about millennials but this this is what they know right so i've personally witnessed i've been on cases where opposing counsel is 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 my age right 48, 49, and they don't have that associate, right? And I can run circles around them because I have an associate that knows so much about technology well, that's helping me. Right, right. Yeah. exactly. Yeah. I am, yeah. yes, yeah. yes, yeah. carrying me, yeah. carrying me. Um, but it's a real advantage, too, to when clear, you... When your associates run circles, you're still billing at 450. <laughs> <laughs> oh, maybe a little up, bit. Right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> No, I'm, I delegate so that I'm giving my clients great value. So, um, but no, I mean, it can be a real advantage too, you know, to have those resources to, to be able to advocate and, yeah. uh, for well, your you client. Well, you find it quicker. Yes. And that may be taking jobs from 
yeah. like soon. I, I don't think it's taking jobs from lawyers yet. I think it might be taking jobs from staff. Yes. Mm -hmm. uh, well, it seems technology. like. I, I mean, would you wouldn't you say the demand for attorneys too is growing like crazy too? I, you know, no? I don't think that's no. correct. Really? No. No. I, I mean, I'll let Heather no. speak to this, but I worked at a big firm for 10 years and was a no. partner. And, you know, the financial crisis after that, we just, the demand went down and we started hiring fewer and fewer people coming wow. to law school. Uh, in 2010, I understand there were 53,000 first-year law students across the country. The word's gotten out that there are no jobs, and now there are 33,000 uh, first-year law students in the country. So... You know, we notice at the Bar Association, our membership has stayed fairly stable, but as people retire, there's just fewer people coming into the profession to sort of fill those spots. And so, and I'm not, you would probably study it more than me, uh, studying businesses, but I understand businesses are bringing work in-house and they're, they're finding different ways to solve their problems. Right. Is that correct? Absolutely. I think yeah. the demand for legal services has decreased since I started practicing, which was in 1997. Um, law firms are just changing the way that they even hire lawyers. I mean, most law firms here in Indianapolis would go through a summer program where they would bring, you know, that summer between the, the lawyer or the law students second and third year into the, into the firm to try them out. Those, those classes at the high end could be 20 to five. Now, now some of the law firms after the financial crisis aren't even doing that program mm -hmm. anymore. They're going out to the lateral market because they're saying, look, I, I don't wanna train and develop a brand new lawyer because we know law school doesn't necessarily teach you how to practice law. I can go and hire a third or fourth year lawyer that has you know, the experience and bring them in and there's, you know, that he or she, that's exactly right. That's well, right. And to say it a different way, to, uh, same thing in a different way is that they used to pay with benefits and they, mm -hmm. let's say some of the larger law firms would pay $140,000, mm -hmm. $150,000 a year for seven to 10 years to develop somebody to find out they're not going to make it here, mm -hmm. right? They're not going to make it here because they don't know how to go get clients. They don't mm -hmm. maybe have those skills that they don't teach in law school about right. how to get clients or how to develop business. And then you've spent that money, that law firm has spent that money and it doesn't work out. So now you're going through another class. To, right. to Heather's point is, what they, and to me this is just, I don't know why it took so long to get there because it's much smarter in my opinion. Although there wasn't as many small law firms. They go look at these small solo practitioners, small law firms, I just, I won't say who, but somebody called me today about somebody who's at a small law firm and it's a larger law firm looking at them so they, they've developed a little market, right? And they'll go and they'll say, well they, this, person, he or she, has already developed this market, right? They've already got X number of clients. They've already got a business model, they've, and, they, and they're doing well. And they'll say, we'll just bring them into our, let's use real estate, we'll just bring them into our real estate market, right? And so in our section, because they already know what's going on. And, and they'll benefit because they're going to make more money with us, more money with us long firm, long term in the bigger law firm, and we can offer them other services to their clients that they can't offer. And for us, we get somebody already who's building a business, right? And and that's that's happened, you know. And 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 it's and it's worked. To me, it's just a much smarter business move. But that's what you see. So, to James' point, a lot of people are coming out and starting these small businesses, and then the law firms kind of sit back and just wait and see who who's this, who's successful. Yeah. And then they go bring them in, yeah. right? I've been trying so. to get 
at you for a while. <laughs> Which list. is you? I've Which got one? They can only James. Hear. James. Okay. Uh, he's on my list. Uh-huh. I think since they already, if anybody's listening to us who knows us, they, they, they knew she wasn't talking about me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that would have ethical problems. Well, it's interesting. It's almost like a software business. You yeah, know, like, that's our like the, the value of Exact Target was never the software, it was mm-hmm. the clients that they were bringing right. on board. Mm-hmm. And the, fact that they made it as a business so that's really in, intriguing mm-hmm. uh indianapolis shout out of course i have to ask anybody using doxley interning internal all I right just uh did a seminar with uh with them nice so nice yes i we're not so okay maybe right. we should be yeah. <laughs> <laughs> maybe well, we a sponsor a bar association strong growth startup here in the area that does you know just the paper trail and search mm-hmm. and capabilities and so document repository yeah. management. She's a former big firm lawyer. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. So. so good company. So I just had to say that. <laughs> <laughs> I'll make a so note. They didn't pay us to say that. I okay. just <laughs> just throwing it out there. So what are some of the biggest pitfalls you see moving forward in this new economy um, with less to pick from? Less to pick from, less, less, less demand? Yes, yes, less graduating attorneys. Yeah, well, hmm. um, I don't know. That'd You've be probably hard. studied that. I haven't. Well, I think, you know, there's, remember, there's less demand for services. Mm-hmm. So in my opinion, I sort of like that there are fewer people going to law school because I think it's going to kind of hopefully even itself out at some point. It's a market so, adjustment, right? Right, mm-hmm. exactly. So I want to pick up on the in-house piece of this, though. We, we used to see, when I first started practicing, lawyers go in-house that you know weren't cut out for private practice for whatever reason or they just made the decision we're losing people and private from private practice to in-house people that we don't want to lose right i mean they the businesses have figured out that i can hire my own legal team and save significant amounts of money and I'm going to go to you law firms, and I'm going to steal your really, really good talent. Wow. And the person we've been working with that, for two exactly years that we the, really like. That's right, that we don't want to lose. And so the, I'm not, you know, I'm as much, I'm as concerned about losing people to competitors as I am in-house right now. Now, there's benefit to in-house because maybe they become a client or, you know, there are benefits to that. But I don't, I don't think that there is um, – I'm not concerned – that the talent isn't out there. It's just where you're gonna get it. Um, and the needs of your clients have changed. Mm-hmm. Um, so you, you can't just assume that what worked or what skill set worked in 1997 when I started is going to be effective now. Yeah. If you're 40 years old and have been practicing for 15 years or more, okay, or if you're in your yeah. 50s or 60s, I think you're very happy in the practice of the law and that you are making the money you wanna make. And if you're a judge, of course, you're extremely happy being mm-hmm. a judge, right? <laughs> and, yes. Okay. Well, we'll just, which, which day it is. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, you know, the people that aren't doing well, the lawyers are fine. Those lawyers in those categories mm-hmm. are fine if they've made it this far. Uh, the guy coming out of law school right now doesn't have a mentor generally, doesn't have a big firm that could take him in and give him a good job and teach him some things. Even if, you know, by the time it's partnership time, he's not really a client developer and it's not working out or it's not a fit. Uh, those people are suffering. I think if there are fewer lawyers, and you know, it's probably good for people that are in their 50s, you know, in 10 years, if there are fewer lawyers, mm-hmm. it's bad for clients. I think. I do think that. I think if you are a Fortune 500 company, uh, you're probably not going to notice a difference. If you are somebody that makes 
you know, under six figures a year and there are fewer people sort of, uh, there'll be, I think there'll be fewer people to serve you uh, in the profession because there'll be fewer people in the profession, the people will be in the big firms and then maybe those people that are there to serve that uh, group may not be there. That's, that's, a, that's what I'm hearing anyway. To, to follow up on that, I, I always ask lawyers who can, so remember I'm only seeing litigators, so I'm not seeing the mergers and acquisitions people, I'm not seeing the real estate lawyers, I'm not seeing uh, health lawyers, I'm not seeing all those folks, I'm seeing just the people who litigate cases. And so I always ask the lawyers when they come in, and it's different ages, right, how's business? And they all say, this is now after the recession, good. And the point being is like, if you made it through that recession and you somehow remained a lawyer, life's good on the other side, right? Mm -hmm. Like, it, it, which is true of most businesses. Yeah, you know? right. Had a now, cousin, anyway. yeah. had a cousin in Southern Indiana who started. He started a electrical contracting business in the middle of the recession. He goes, "What do you think?" And I said, "If you could pull out of this, you'll be great." And yep. he has been on the right. other side, right? Like, but it's the same thing for most lawyers. They're all good. To James' point about the younger lawyers, the, the part about going to a firm is hopefully they had mentors, and it's hard. This is what the Bar Association tries to be helpful to people. It's to help them find mentors that teach them about little things like civility and about you know, professionalism and about how to do things and how not to do things, what gets you in trouble with the disciplinary commission, and how to be a better uh, service to your clients. Right? I was fortunate to have a lot of good mentors, even though I was not in a large firm, just through the prosecutor's office, through the public defender's office, through private practitioners who said, you know, hey, here's how you want to do this. This is how this works. Let me show you how this works. And I worry about, because now it's sort of stratifying, right, with all these young lawyers coming out and kind of starting these small, you, we've seen a lot more small, solo, and two and three person law firms, but no veteran in there, mm -hmm. right? It's all young people. The fear is that, you know, they can develop bad habits or, or do poor service. And so that, I think, is the downside of where we kind of a little bit are these small law firms. There may be more people, because I think what folks say, they take cases you know, an old um, lawyer in Franklin, Indiana, used to have this saying that my old law partner told me was that he goes, "You make more money on the cases you don't take than on the cases you do." And the point was, you got to know how to listen to the client and analyze that thing. And so, a lot of the young lawyers, James' point, like, there may be a lot of lawyers for those people, right? Who, because they're all trying to fight for that same business, but maybe th th that's a case that they shouldn't take, mm -hmm. yeah, right? Yeah. Because, it, it, and so. Uh, because we were, it's going out around where you can't We're laughing out. because literally before the podcast, we were talking to another business owner out there, and my the, my advice to him was, as I get older, the better my business does by saying no more and more. Yeah, you know? absolutely. So, uh, <laughs> and, and so all those things, it's, it's, it's really a transitional period for the legal practice with the, with the law firms changing, the clients changing, right? How, what mm -hmm. their expectations and uh, and also people. Here's the other ways, right? Changing people are. Think about this for a minute. You had to have this certain amount of education and experience to be a good lawyer in 1880, right? You have read stuff that people didn't even have access to these books, right? Mm -hmm. Then it got to the point where they kind of had access maybe a little bit, you know, there was more lawyers in metropolitan areas, but they kind of had access to like going to a library. Now, everybody has access. Now, that doesn't mean they know how to read a case or you know, and understand what it means, but a lot of people can ask questions you go on any you know, search engine, you can ask some kind of legal question and get some sort of answer or, or take you to some forum uh, discussion point where they've talked about it. And there's some benefit that I think that it, before they would come and they would say to the lawyer, like, I don't know if that lawyer know what, know what he's talking about. But something about people when they read it online, right, they automatically believe it. 
right? And so that may help. It helps elections that way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's right. Yeah. But I think people have more access, so they read these things. And so if they're, you know, they're decent at research, and, and millennials, like you said, were, mm-hmm. are taught to be good at research, even if they're not practicing law, they're kind of going, all right, right? They can, they can do some stuff before they ever get to a lawyer. Uh, and I think they are. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's, it's changing. It's a, it's, a, it's a big, I think, change across the board. What it all means, I'm not sure we all know exactly, but we, you can kind of see what, how, you know, what is, how it's affecting like day-to-day work and practices. Mm-hmm. Your point is you were at a big law firm. Yes. Not to knock on Heather. Yeah. Um, although, by the way, the other reason she wouldn't hire me is because of the Frost Brown time. They already have too many Kentuckians. There's a quota over there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they have we a couple do. I, could, I couldn't go we there. Have, we have a few offices. Um, I think it'd be interesting for the listeners to hear about big, huge law firm with help disparage anybody, right? And versus small law firm and, and the pros and cons for a lawyer and what that means in terms of how you interact with clients. Okay. Well, both are great. Let me just say both are great. <laughs> okay. Uh, and how you interact with a client, um, you know, I, I mean, for me personally, yeah. like I represent individuals. You know, I represent people that are in trouble with their license, in trouble with the law, in trouble. And individuals tend to not be able to pay as much as uh, people, you know, that own businesses and big companies and things of that nature. So I found to represent individuals, I needed a lower overhead. Now, the big overhead at a big firm does go to help service those clients. I mean, there are companies, I used to represent nursing homes, and they would always... Uh, they would. I get a call and that something had happened at a nursing home and maybe there was a criminal investigation into what happened and I always found I was in my comfort zone because I would go, I'd done white collar investigations, I dealt with police officers as a public defender, I'd show up, uh, you know, talk to the police, understand what's going on, hopefully, you know, nothing really goes any further and I'm in my comfort zone. Now the company's asked me to do an internal investigation. I'm still in my comfort zone because I'm interviewing people, I'm talking to people, that's what you do as a criminal defense, really as a litigator, you investigate, understand legal issues that may be out there. Then I make my report to the company and then they start saying, well, should we fire this person? I'm like, yeah, wait a second, I, I'm, I'm not an employment lawyer. Well, should we report this to Medicaid or to Medicaid? Well, yeah, uh, well, I don't know, I'm not a, a healthcare. And that's when you're at a big firm and you have the healthcare lawyer and you have the employment lawyer and you can pick up the phone and call if you're a yeah. transactional lawyer and you have associates with business experience and then they have a problem where they're getting sued. That, you know, it, it, it depends on the client. I, to me, if you're a company, uh, you could probably find a Frost Brown Todd, a Bingham Greenbaum doll, a name big firm, and they can service most of your needs, if not all of them. Uh, and, you know, oftentimes if, when I was at Bingham, you know, the company's CEO had a kid that needed this, or, or, you know, there were investigations into our companies as well. But I think that's the difference to me, is the breadth. I think that's the word, you know. Yeah. Big firms use big words like robust. They like to use robust and breadth and depth. and Platform. Platform, we, we like love the word platform. platform. But I think, I think what I'm getting at is breadth. Yeah. And maybe depth, too. Yeah. Width, length, I don't know. So, <laughs> but, um, but the big firm can service a company with lots of with lots of needs. So James, I mean, so now you are in the smaller firm, but I mean, you're still friends with those people. 
Yeah, you know, I need them to send me cases. Well, you know? but I, I mean, <laughs> if we relate the three of us here who are not in the legal profession, we can identify with a lot of what you've said. But the way we would work is that if I have, if I'm in deep IT yogurt, I call over here to my buddy Ryan, who you know we're just friends, mm -hmm. and he said, "Here's what you do." If I have, you know, a different issue, I mean, Doug would uh, help me out with that, and I help Doug out, and I help, mm -hmm. uh, and that and it's a more informal thing. Is that not the situation for you today, still having all these people in your Rolodex, so to speak? Yeah, I mean, I have people I can ask. Uh, you know, it's easier when it's your colleague and it's their client as well to but, get them to, right. to make it a priority, certainly. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, but I mean, in our firm, we do business work and we do litigation and I tend to find that when I have those questions, when I'm getting outside my comfort zone, I can get answers, but certainly I call, I phone a friend for I mean, favors. It, it, it uh, seems like it's a very <laughs> collegial. Sounds, sounds like what they need is a attorney co-working facility. Yes, <laughs> a speakeasy for attorneys. Yeah. That's right. I think our, our, I don't know that you find this everywhere. I think central Indiana is a very collegial group and okay. we do want to help each other there's a line yeah central indiana there's, there's a line if you cross I, I, i'm gonna get in trouble probably but probably there's a different way they practice law if you cross um pass uh, uh if you go another 20 miles north of lafayette 30 <laughs> yeah. over to about where they play football with the uh, touchdown jesus that that, yeah. that area the they practice law just a little differently. Okay. Yeah, yeah. They do. Uh, not as collegial. They well, do. I went to Donuts for Dads this morning, which is a preschool event. Uh, maybe all of you all been, or you would I go thought, Mother's Tea yeah. or something. Mother's and Mother's. Mother's, again, <laughs> Mother's Night. Well, I'm in there, and literally, I walk in, and there's a dad who has kids in two classrooms. So he sent Grandpa in. Well, one of them is a former president of the Bar Association. John Kautzman is sitting yeah. there. And then Andy Campbell, who's going to be president of the Bar Association in two years, he's down the hall. And then there's another lawyer. And, you know, if you go around scorched earth and don't help people out, it's going to come back on right. you. This is a big city, not that big, and in a pretty small legal community. 5,000, let's use that number for your legal committee, including the donut counties, okay? Yeah. 5,000 people. So anybody who grew up in a town of 5,000 or less people, they know there's nothing that happens that, yeah. that everybody, everybody doesn't know, right? And so it's the same a little bit in the legal community, not as connected as you would be in a small town, but you kind of, people get reputations. But just let's get yeah. back from the, from the And that's all the lawyers in this yeah. area, Harry, five. Harry's question also, you, you mentioned this earlier about yeah. losing people to, to um, uh, in-house. You know, I think sometimes people look at the large firm prices and go, mm -hmm. oh my gosh, you know. But James just said, you know, those guys are under tremendous pressure to get work done at the lowest cost because they know that's what the client expects, right? And they're trying to work as fast and they got a plenty of work usually. And so if James or I or somebody calls up and they go, hey, I, I got this question. I mean, a nice person's gonna try to help you, right? But they're gonna give you, they have a lot of things going on. They're, they're very, you don't have lawyers at your law firm, it's a very large law firm, it's just sitting around waiting for somebody to pick up the phone and call them or waiting yeah. for the next file to come in. They're busy, and so uh, it's hard to get some of that collegiality, okay. that co-working thing you're talking about. Not that the IT people are not busy, it's just there's a pressure on an hourly basis to justify that bill mm -hmm. at a large law firm that you don't have, maybe, definitely don't have in-house, 
and then you might not have as much at a small firm. So, so people in the small firms will tend to be more collegial. I think okay. it'd be interesting if James has seen that, that it's easier sometimes if you've met now other people who've left large law firms and you know that they did healthcare or they did uh, uh, labor sense. law to kind of call some of them say, hey, can you, you might take a bit. The law firms are under, I mean, those large are under a lot of pressure to, to create work for their clients who are paying them very well and to take time out of your schedule and just go do something because he's your buddy, that's all well and good, but yeah. you, you got to eat too and you got to, you know, keep your job and keep your clients happy. Yeah. I'm, I'm curious, you touched a little bit on Indianapolis and, and culture here. I'd like to hear, we talked about, we opened up with technology. Mm -hmm. How do you guys feel about the, the indie, you know, attorney community uh, from a sophistication standpoint, culture standpoint? compared to other cities in the country? Are we, are we ahead of the curve? Uh, like, I, like I was really surprised that you guys said, you know, you're doing virtually everything digitally now. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I mean, that yeah. was surprising. I, don't, I wouldn't me. know if we're ahead of the curve. I, I know I, I, we were slow on e-filing, I know, yeah. for state court. Um, yeah, we're a little slow. There's others mm -hmm. that are still not doing it, right? There's other mm -hmm. counties in Indiana that are still not doing e-filing. Okay. Um, so here's a, here's a great little story for you. So we're building this new justice center. Right, and we're looking at how you might want to set up the courts and where the offices. And all courthouses now, in Indiana mostly, are set up this way. You have the courtroom, the staff for that court is just outside the courtroom. The judges' chambers are right behind, and and the, you know, and the jury rooms right behind, and it's all a little self-contained unit. And then right next to it is another self-contained unit, right? And we then, in Marion County, because we're so large, had further stratified into. People hate this word, but I'm still going to use it in the silos. So we went from, you know, some of your courts do civil work and some do criminal work. The criminal work is further divided. So you have misdemeanor courts who only hear misdemeanors. You have uh, traffic court who only hear traffic cases. You have low-level felony courts who only hear low-level low felony. You have major felony drug court. You have regular uh, drug court. You have major felony court. You she have baby drug court. Yeah, you have you have two courts. Think about this for a minute. Who every morning, every afternoon, all day long, every week hear nothing but, in Marion County, domestic violence courts. Two. All day. You have Every to make day. noise, Heather. Yeah. You have to make noise. Yeah, they right. see you. Yeah. Right. Sorry. So <laughs> we have, but we're so siloed, right, that we have their major felony drug courts. Like, if you're if you're dealing drugs on the east side of Marine Street, you get this court. If you're dealing drugs on the west side of Marine Street, you get this court. I mean, it's, it's, it was so siloed. So the National Center of State Courts come out to help us kind of think about this with the new justice facility. And they go, we've never seen this before. We've never seen this, right? And so the assumption and how the inflection of how they said it, I couldn't repeat it how he, he said it, but the, the inflection was that you guys are way behind. But I asked the question, I said, are we behind or are we ahead, right? Because the benefit of being in those silo courts, of only doing this type of case every day, all day long, yeah. is that you learn how to do it, the prosecutors learn how to do it well, the public defenders learn how to do it well. And again, this is mostly in the criminal, court, the, the criminal courts. In the civil courts, there was not as much silos and so I said, are we behind or ahead? And they're like, you know, I, but, but I will tell you is for the courts though, while I think maybe there's some efficiencies from that, it was not necessarily good for court administration, mm -hmm. right? And trying like, cause if you said, hey, we just had a spike in um, uh, drug cases, okay. right? And so these two little courts are doing all these cases and it really, the way the case load tells us that we should have four courts for that. Mm -hmm. Will you two come over here? I'm not doing that. I don't, I, I'm happy over here doing my whatever court, right? Mm -hmm. So, or will you give us some commission? We'll take some commissioner time from you. We'll, whoa, I need that commissioner. I need, that, I need to help some work on these kind of cases, right? So it created these conflicts that you, you didn't necessarily have when people had 
And, and the reverse is, in the civil courts, we're a little bit, you know, you hear every type of civil case except for probate. So when you had a mortgage foreclosure spike in the Great Recession, right, that was spread over 12 courts. Well, you don't feel it as much. And so therefore, and everybody's doing the same thing, and you, and you have the same ideas, and you're kind of pulling the same together. So we're looking at how to change that. But th th that's just a, one example of like some of the changes I think that are, that are out there. But in terms of the rest of the country, I, I can't answer if we're ahead or behind in the court system. I, I know that we're way, by all accounts, we're, way, we're so siloed that, that nobody has those silos that degree. You're more of a unicorn. Really, you, nobody knows. <laughs> you know, you're just special. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't know if we're. I don't. I agree. I don't know if we're ahead or, or behind. Yeah. <laughs> but I can tell you, just in law firm life, you know, using space, kind of what you were talking about with courts, has changed dramatically. Yes. Um, you know, you have now single size offices in many of the law, big law firms. What I, what do I mean by that? That means the person that starts that day one, that's a brand new lawyer, has the same size office as a partner that's been there for 40 years. Do you have open workstations? We, we work have, areas, we like have collaborative. Plug in the laptop and we have a bar with other yes, people? Yes, we do. So we have a main conference floor where, where um, we have numerous conference rooms. No attorneys are on that floor. And that's also for confidentiality, you know, security purposes. Then we have four floors of just attorneys, right? So each floor has its own, like, kitchenette with, television yeah. we have collaborative spaces in the um, different um, corners yeah. of each and and it's and you know we have laptops so we can walk I can get my laptop walk into an associate's office because I'm still one that doesn't like to sit there and just email someone that's next door to me yeah I'd like to sit across the table and see you and train you that way so but we if have that ability yeah circles. that's yes. true okay. <laughs> <laughs> they're doing electronic discovery for me the other thing we're seeing is is that you know uh, used to you'd have one secretary for one lawyer you're seeing one legal secretary we now call them business professionals um, that may service four lawyers uh, because lawyers are doing more on their own you don't have lawyers that are constantly just dictating everything you still have lawyers that do that yeah but I haven't dictated something I can tell you in 15 years I wouldn't even know how to use the dictation equipment that we have so These single space offices I learned it was like a lot of guys were fighting over the big office yeah and they weren't like law partners are sort of like kids fighting for shotgun and yeah they, uh, it's <laughs> so in our new design of the courthouse we we'll see that at last but we there are purposely no corner offices purposely wow are those the bathrooms? <laughs> <laughs> those are those are conference shared conference room areas or yeah, people you take like, whatever, whatever. It's like yeah. no corner offices. And, and, and the the look on some people's faces when we said there's no corner offices, they're like, <gasps> and they're like, you know, and it's like we're, we're they're all similar size. They're all Makes and that's a little so different, right? It's just it's 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 it, it, but that's changed. Um, Shannon Kiley, who's at Cummins, mm -hmm. they built that yeah. new headquarters downtown, uh -huh. right? We went over, I said, you know, can I come see your offices? And we went over, I don't know if you've seen this, but these modern offices now have these, these and, the, and also uh, Lori Spence, who's a classmate of mine up at uh, MISO, which yeah. does the power grid management, mm -hmm. right? These modern office spaces are way different than the, the old traditional stodgy, wall, lots of walls. They're much more open, they're much more, you know, fluid, you can do a lot of different things with couches that people kind of come out with their laptops or sit like you're in somebody's living room 
right? Mm -hmm. Sitting around a bunch of couches working and it's and, and little or if you want a little workspace, there's a like a little, you know, we would call it a high top bar with six, eight stools around it, right? That you can right. plug in your laptop and do work. You're describing the speaking. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, right. But but that but remember for lawyers, and I would say to your listeners also then for, for medical practice, that is that is that is way far from what it's ever been. Right. And so get and of course the last to get there, the lawyers are there first. The last to get there is the judges, right? The judges are like, I gotta I gotta have an office next to another judge. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're gonna have offices next to another judge at, at the at the new justice facility, right? And so yeah. it's it's different. It's a lot of changes, and 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 I, I I've said to this uh, Judge Stoner and I have had this debate about which is the biggest changes in the court system, maybe in its history, and I still maintain the last ten and the next ten in Marion County because you've changed the selection model, you've went to e-file, and you have a new management system, you've become digitized you're going to have a new facility it's the most change in the shortest amount of time in our courts ever since you know Daniel Boone was running around the woods looking for his daughter up here somewhere right I mean it's the most change that we've had and and for judges who are by natural precedent people status quo people that's the that's the nature of their being essence right is status quo that is really highly stressful right I mean I I, I, I hear it and I tell my uh, colleagues all the time. I said, I listen, this is stressful, right? I get, I understand all the changes we're going to. It's, it's just stressful. Uh, and not having a paper file. We had, uh, I've been told, I don't know this to be true, so let's start with that. And it might have happened somewhere else. I, I'm not, I'm not going to throw my colleagues under the bus. But hypothetically, there were judges who were still printing off the digitized, instead of looking at a computer screen, they still get it printed off for them every day, mm -hmm. right? That's how hard it is that. for some people <laughs> to change, right? And, um, and it, it, I get it, I, I, I totally get it, I understand. But it's, we're getting there, we're making progress, right? It's, it's just that we I think are. medicine and law are some of the last two business change. But we're almost, oh, go oh, ahead. Well, one last thing I would just say about it, you know, I'm somebody, this is my opinion, that I think um, we have to be careful because a lot of the, I know friends in-house, they're, they're starting to go to no offices that you just, you know, it's, you go in and, and you just have this big open workspace. And I, I don't know how, how you feel, James, um, or you judge, but um, sometimes I need to close my door and yeah. think, mm -hmm. okay? And I, I like this. Sometimes I just need a nap. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I feel, I'm concerned that we have so many ways of communicating. My clients are texting me, I'm emailing, I'm talking on the phone, people are coming to my office. And sometimes I just need to close my door and I need to think about a case, you know? And I, I'm concerned that we're losing that at some point. Um, reading things online, I do, but I print certain things so I can read. And I think, I think it's Judge Najem who's doing some, some research on, you don't read as well when right. you read at online, yeah. okay? So I love technology, I'm a big proponent of it, but I, for me, Sometimes I, I have to step back and, and do it kind of the old-fashioned way, for lack of a better word, because I, 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 can't, I can't really analyze and, and really think the way I do when I just am reading something online. It's really bad when you highlight your monitor on your computer. It's just it's oh. terrible. So, so anyway. Not as that's bad as the whiteout. The whiteout, right. As long as you don't run it through the shredder. Yeah. <laughs> that's a great one thing, um, we're almost, I think we're almost out of time. Is that right? Or, yeah. But I, I wanted Heather to talk about diversity oh. and, you know, 
sure. women in the practice of law, and I know that's a push of your law firm yes. and a push of other big firms in town. And um, I just, I don't know, I was yeah. hoping you'd okay. say sure. something about that. So, um, you know, I'm a third generation lawyer. Uh, my great grandfather was a lawyer, my grandfather was a lawyer, my mother was a teacher. And so my grandfather came to me while I was in college and said, I would love for you to carry on the family tradition, please go to law school. And so I ended up doing that. But I, I have always been surrounded by um, people that were very um, enlightened, I should say, about gender equality uh, in, in the profession. Um, and I've, I've been very fortunate with my firm. Um, but I will say that while we've made a lot of progress in that area, if you look at the numbers, we still have a long way to go. And there's not a single, you know, silver bullet that I can use to solve this problem. It's a multifaceted problem. But what I would say is, is that if you look at the number of lawyers that are graduating from law school, I think that it's still around 50%. You know, women make up, <clears throat> a, you know, I think about 50% of those graduating. So that's good. But then when you look at, at least in my world, in the law, law private law firm world, you know, you've got a fair amount of women as associates, you get fewer as partners, and then when you get up to the equity level partnership, assuming you have that distinction, you know, we make up a, a fairly small amount. Um, and so the key is, is you have to get women in leadership roles. You absolutely have to. And in the law firm world, if you're not an equity partner, you are somewhat restrained sometimes with the committees that you can be on because you're seeing a lot of confidential information, right? And so we've tried at our firm to expand kind of the leadership roles that women have and not necessarily say that you have to be an equity. Now some, some of those you have to be like to be on our executive committee, you have to be an equity partner. But the reason why this is so important is I was asked the other day by someone internally at the firm who's in a different office and, and she said, you know, Indianapolis has done such an amazing job with hiring women. You know, what's your secret? And I said, well, I wish I could give you something that was, you know, really, you know, complicated and difficult, but it's because I'm a woman and I know other women, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. So I say that flippantly because, you know, that's the same for men. It's just that we have a lot of men that are leading law firms or in positions of recruiting and promoting. And, you know, that's who you know. Maybe, I mean, obviously I know a lot of men too, but... You know, I was able to go out and recruit some of the wonderful women that we have because I've known them for 20 years. Mm -hmm. So it's, you've got to get women and minority attorneys in leadership roles where they can have a real impact on the policies, process, hiring decisions of law firms. If you, if you put them in committees that just do busy work and they don't really have an impact, then you're not going to see an impact. So, um, you know, it's a it's a tough it's a tough decision it's a tough issue for law firms. I get that, but um, you know, you've just got to to figure out ways to to get those women to first of all stay, right? Because we lose a lot of women for very legitimate reasons. But you've got to get them to stay, and you've got to get give them meaningful roles um, in both cases, so they could advance first of all to become an equity member. Yeah. And in leadership, you know, you know, high-level leadership roles within the law firm. So, 
It's interesting. It's a we we had um, it was on another podcast, but Julie Kratz in town. Do you know Julie? Mm-hmm. Um, she came on and she was talking about like male allies, and I really liked that term because I'm more of a I'm more of a old school jerk. <laughs> I'll say. I, yeah, yeah. Well, I, I grew up in a household that was matriarchal. So my, my grandmother owned an accounting firm, you know, where everybody looked at her husband mm-hmm. and said, what do we do? You know, and right. she said, excuse me, eyes over here. Right. You know, right. <laughs> and, uh, and so, but I, you know, growing up, I realized that not all women played that power role. Right. 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 That, that they didn't act like men. They acted like women. Right. And what I, we had a great conversation. We were talking about it because this is a problem in tech here in town. Huge. All of our right. investors are white, old male. Mm-hmm. That, that's all we have. And so the representation for women in tech is, is quite terrible. Mm-hmm. You know, and we, I, I joke with people that I've gone to the IBJ breakfast for 15 years. <laughs> and for 15 years, someone says, so diversity, you know, and I go, here we go again, talking about it for another year. Right. And my, my issue is that, uh, like I, I, one of the things I said on there was difference isn't a deficit, right? So men tend to look at it and say, well, be more like the man and get in there and be, well, no, that's not, that's exactly what you don't want. Instead, you want men to understand that women are an asset being a woman. Being, you know, having the, you know, traditional gender roles of uh, nurturing relationship, cooperation, uh, intelligence, focus, uh, multitasking. Oh, my God, I can't multitask for anything, you know, and and until I feel like men kind of step aside and say, we don't want another gladiator in the ring. We really need someone that can lead this, you know until we back down mm-hmm. you know it's always gladiators going up for a fight and then we're wondering why there's so many gladiators around right right well i mean i think you know when i look at all of you know the mentors i've had along the way you know a lot of them are men right yeah. um and, and wonderful men and right. men that i still practice with today and i would i would say that um i have um, developed uh, a, a very strong trust with all of them, they feel very comfortable around me. Yeah. Um, you know, we're very open about how we view things. They know I'm not going to be offended by, by, you know, what they say and vice versa. Um, so it is a trust. Uh, I don't feel like I act like a man. Uh, I think that if you would ask the partners in my office that, you know, I I'm I'm not I don't act like a man, right. and that's not how I got my position. Uh, so I don't think that you have to act exactly. like men. Yeah. Um, not that that's a bad thing. I think you just have to be your authentic self. Yeah. But I think we have to we have to change the model of there's just one you know way of looking at things. There's only one aggressive approach exactly. to handle a case. You know, I can get a great result for my client, maybe a better result by not being you know as aggressive. You know. I also think the millennials, I keep coming back to them, I think they're going to help us with this, you know. Um, The millennial men look at things differently, okay. We have a paternity policy now. We have men that are using it, right. So these issues of women going off on leave to take care of, you know, when they have children, this is going to be a more common thing that is not a woman thing, right. right? It's going to be an employee issue. Right, so I I I am encouraged 
by what I'm seeing, at least, in terms of the gender issues. Uh, because I think that, you know, people are realizing, hey, you know, I want to spend time with my newborn child, you know, and no, it's not that I'm never, I'm going to the hospital, I'll be with my wife, and then I'm going to be back to work the, the next afternoon. <laughs> there are men that would look at that, and they're like, no. Forget that. Yeah. You're not a good father for doing that. I'm not saying that people yeah. that did that aren't good fathers. It's just a different approach, exactly right? different, yeah. So, um, yeah, it's uh it's well, it sounds like the challenges are the same. Yeah, you know. Yeah, throughout. It is. So. I think they're. I'll pick up on the last part you said. Yeah. I think things are improving, right? Yeah. I, mean, I think it's up in that from a lot of different ways. I think people are looking at it differently than they did maybe say in the 1950s. I was in the 60s. Mm -hmm. I think yeah. to your point about there's a lot. And part of it is also the, you know the numbers. Like uh, there's more women going to law school. Mm -hmm. um, there's well, more other STEM. It's huge. I mean, groups, you know, the majority yeah. of women now are in uh, are right. in. So all those things, and, I, and on the court, I would say, you know, I think this number's right. I have to go back. I, have, I was trying to count in my head, but I'm not good at it. Um, close to half of our judges are women. Our executive committee is three women and me. And I think there's a coup to get rid of me. <laughs> uh, You're the diverse candidate on the yeah. 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 You're the token white man. Do you, do you walk in and say yeah. that? I'm the diversity yeah. person. Right. Yeah. And so, and then you know, you know, the, the, the head of the federal court, presiding judge, is Judge J. Uh, J. Magnus Stinson. Mm -hmm. our, our chief justice of the United Supreme Court is Loretta Rush. Our head of state court administration is Mary Willis, a former judge from Henry County. Um, uh, from a gender standpoint, I think the law is well on its way to. That's sort awesome. Of, yeah. I, I guess I, I, I tend to look at it more as half full. I think we're really well on our way to change that. And you and you have to look at those numbers of what's coming into law school. Now I think there's other groups when you talk about diversity that are not still rep, well represented in law schools, and and right. there, there are people trying to fix that, right? But from the gender standpoint, mm -hmm. I think it's it's improving. I saw it improving it's in night school when I was in law school. Yeah. Uh, Jim Boyles, I talked to him yesterday because Judge Gifford passed away this week and she was probably the most famous judge at least. You know, she did the Mike Tyson trial and Jim Boyles obviously one of the more famous attorneys in the state. He was he is 75 years old. I don't think he minds me saying that. And he graduated in 1968 with Judge Gifford and he believes that Judge Gifford was maybe one of two, maybe one of three women in his law school class in 1968. And he said he graduated or was sworn in at the bar in the Supreme Court room. That meant all the new grad or the new admittees fit into the Supreme Court room. And he said it was about 80 and he thinks there were three women in, when he was sworn in in 1968. So that's well, where we were. Um, right. And it, it sounds like it's getting better, not what it, it is. should be. Right. It's getting better. It is. Well, I think you... I may be wrong. I think you're going to. Well, it's interesting to see. Wait, what you're talking about, you're trying to predict the future. Mm -hmm. I think you see a time where, um, very soon, if it's not already happened, where more of the people in in law school are women instead of men. Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't know where that number is, but I think it, I mm -hmm. got to think it's got to be getting it's close already. Across the board. And it's across the board right now, it is. Right. Yeah. And men right now. Right. Yeah. A lot of. I still think, I mean, if you, you're right, but if you look at like what I'm focused on, you know, the equity, right. where you have the real benefit of, of making significant decisions or having input, that number is still pretty darn. But don't you think it's about the, that's, that, that's part of James's, what James' point is. If there was only three to start out right. 20 years ago, so that's 20 right. years later when it's your turn, there's, there's few of it. But as, as that time passes, that's going to change. Yeah, right? I, I would think. 
Well, I mean, th this is such a complicated, I mean, you know, one of the other things you have to keep in mind is, you know, what we call succession planning, you mm -hmm. know. Um, generationally, a lot of the business generators in law firms were men, right? And so how are they, you know, passing the torch, as we call it in our law firm, to the next generation and, and keeping in mind, okay, yeah, who have I worked with? Do I need to think about a female, yeah. you know? It's just every decision I think that leaders and law firms make, you always have to look at it at the lens of, okay, if I've got this group that I'm, I'm selecting to go out on this pitch, do I have a diverse group? Right. Not just with gender, right. but generationally, you know, expertise, all of those things. That's something to me that every good leader should be thinking about before they make any decision. Totally agree. Yeah. I'd I have to go to gymnastics. <laughs> I don't know if you want to edit that out. Are you going to be working on your back tuck? Aren't you a little old for gymnastics? <laughs> you should see my round off. <laughs> <laughs> improving. No, that's fantastic. Thank you for sharing. Hey, it's You're great welcome. to be here. Thank yeah, you. This is outstanding information. So why don't we go around. Um, Heather, how can people reach you? If they want to talk about anything? Sure. Um, H. Wilson at FBTlaw.com. Mm -hmm. And I'm um, James Bell, and you can reach me at james at Paganelli Law Group, which is P-A-G-A-N-E-L-L-I lawgroup.com. If you have a case, you're not supposed to contact me, <laughs> and, I can't call, and I can't call you back uh, or email you back. But uh, if you call the court off Civil Court 2 in Marion County, they can get you in touch with me, and, we'll, and they'll first you know, do the screening and make sure you don't have a case from me or something. And, uh, you can or find me in Civil Court 2 in Marion County. Or what? No, nothing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, they'll, check, they'll check your tax record. No. Yeah. They'll, they'll look at your Facebook account. That's not true either. Pass it down. No, that's true either. So, uh, yeah, great. Thanks for having us. Thanks we we didn't get into the conversation about the other changes that happened in the court is how we're all selected, which is That'll also That'll be fun. the second hour. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, so, we'd, we'd love to have you guys back. Yeah, yeah, come it's back. It is interesting that you guys do a business show, essentially, mm -hmm. and had us in, which is like, yeah. you know, we represent businesses only when there's been a problem. <laughs> we see we see when there's been a problem. Otherwise, well, I, always, you know, you know. I always tell people that the every time that I decide not to get to get an attorney to look at the paperwork, I regretted it. So, yeah. <laughs> so I have utmost respect for oh, yeah. attorneys. <laughs> thank you. Well, thank you very much. Yeah, thank you guys. If you're an Indianapolis-based professional and would like your story to be heard on Off the Circle, contact us at offthecircle.com. While you're there, be sure to subscribe to our podcast and leave us a glowing review. Off the Circle is recorded at DK New Media's podcast studio at the Speakeasy in downtown Indianapolis.